Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. All right, all right. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. This morning, I woke up and I discovered that it looks like, unless something gets in the way, Elon Musk will have bought Twitter before too long. You might be wondering why that's uh, a focus of our conversation today here on this particular podcast. But at the end of the day, what I want to address is why this matters. Why the whole idea, what we've got going on here, I know it's political out there, but from my perspective as a therapist, I want to go over why this matters. The Twitter debate is about silencing people and freedom of speech. That's what this is all about. And when we have, uh, you know, people that have positions of power and they use them to silence others or they use them to emphasize others, we have a, a, a scale that starts to tip, right? And when that scale starts to tip, sometimes uh, the, the, the perception, if not the reality, is some people get harmed in the process. And I want to address this from a therapeutic lens. I'm going to turn back the clock for a minute and look back in 1600s. There was a guy, Edward Eggleston, and I believe he was quoting somebody else, but I, I don't remember who. I do remember this quote. It's the idea of toleration of tolerable opinions. If you hear that and you don't think about what's going on with Twitter and Elon Musk, you're not paying attention. I just don't think that you are. Here's why. Toleration of tolerable opinions. What is a tolerable opinion? Is it okay to lie? Is it okay to mislead? Is it okay to uh, emphasize the people who are famous and make sure that their stuff gets free marketing and advertisement because it brings people to your platform? Or should it be a equal platform that if you speak and I speak, even though I have a podcast and you may not, your voice can be heard at an equal rate potentially on that platform if you gain the followers, regardless of whether you're a public figure or not. Well, that's a big debate. That's a big discussion. From a therapeutic lens, I'm going to go over six things. Six things that we look at from a therapeutic lens at all times in our work. Number one, autonomy. Autonomy is the ability to decide for ourselves what course we're going to take. That means I could choose to lie or withhold if I really wanted to. Autonomy. I have the right. I have that that ability to decide for myself. Well, that sounds an awful lot like what we call liberty in a, you know, in a, a constitutional sense. 
Liberty is the ability for us to have independent thought and independent feeling and not necessarily have to go along with the crowd in all circumstances or even any circumstances for that matter. But we got to put some framework around it because autonomy has the risk of being anarchy. The idea that everybody chooses their own path and if I'm bigger, better, and stronger, then I get to take your stuff. Autonomy, I have the right. No, there's limits. I want to go over those limits. Here they are. There's two of them. Non-maleficence. I have a responsibility to do no harm. So if what I'm doing is harming somebody else or their livelihood or their pursuit of their dreams and wishes, then it may be a problem. In other words, if I incite violence, it may be a problem. I shouldn't incite violence, not intentionally. So non-maleficence is a big deal. Beneficence. Beneficence means to do good. It isn't enough to do no harm, right? I can tolerate all kinds of opinions that are, that are uh, unfounded in reality. I can tolerate them as long as they're not doing harm and it is their attempt at doing good, then it's fine. Okay, so people should have the right to choose um, to keep their baby or not, let's say. Well, non-maleficence and beneficence, you do the math. You figure it out. Is there harm in that situation? Is there an attempt to do good in that situation? They both balance our right to autonomy. Without both of those as guardrails, we have major issues. Beneficence also means we should include lots of voices, even voices we don't agree with. And in some cases, especially voices we don't agree with. Giving them the opportunity to speak their view may not change our opinion, my opinion. But if I give you the opportunity to speak your view, then I could learn something. And if you give me an opportunity to speak my view, you may be able to learn something. The next one, this, so the, those were the guardrails, non-maleficence and beneficence. But the next three are, are really about mm, social and moral rails, the social and moral rails, justice. Is the, th- the fourth one. It is about fairness. It is not about equality. You and I are not the same. I may have more people who hear my voice because I have a podcast. But if you compare me to some of the other people doing podcasts, I, I, my voice does not carry a whole lot of weight. It's about fairness. I can create a podcast and you can also create a podcast. And if people listen to you more than they listen to me, then you, your voice would then carry more weight. But don't mistake that for uh, a good thing. It is both good and not good. If I reach a thousand people and I say something that guides and 
navigates those thousand people to do some something harmful, then all of that non-maleficence and beneficence rails are in question. If I incite violence, that's a problem. And I could do that if I have enough listeners. So I have a responsibility to the non-maleficence, beneficence guardrails, as well as the justice, the idea of it being fair. Just because I have more listeners in my podcast, say, than you know somebody who doesn't have a podcast, doesn't mean I don't have a responsibility to fairness. If somebody wants to put a comment on here, they're welcome to it. That's how we create fairness. But if I were silenced and I could no longer do this because somebody arbitrarily said, we don't like what you're saying, that's a problem. That is unfair. So even though the weight is different, we should all have the ability to be heard. Votes are different though. Votes are not the same. Vote for whoever you want. My vote is no different than your vote. And your vote is no different than mine. You get one, I get one. I know there's this whole conversation about, is are, are we actually getting only one vote? Some people are mailing in their ballot and then going to the poll and voting too. Like I, and then some people are picking up other people's ballots and taking them to, and we're not supposed to do any of those things. Look, I'm going to get into why, uh, or, or the, the framework for how to uh, look at that stuff here in just a moment, but please understand the votes are not going to be any different for you and for me. So in that particular circumstance, your voice has the same weight as mine. Even if I have 10 million followers, your vote is one and mine is one. If you're the president of the United States, your vote is one. My vote is one. That's why the great equalizer ultimately is that single vote that you put in the ballot box. That single vote that I put in the ballot box. That's the great equalizer. If our votes are narratively controlled, it could be a problem. I'm going to get into that here in this next one. The next one is fidelity. When I say narratively controlled, in faithfulness, sometimes we spend our time creating allies. It's like, uh, what's that cartoon movie? With the minions, the minions. If we spend all of our time creating minions, and then we tell all the minions what to do, and they naively just go and do what we told them, in spite of having a brain of their own, a thought and a, uh, an emotion of their own and a moral structure of their own, but they just follow me and their minions. Well, one, you could say, there's an argument that you could say, well, that's their fault. Well, you could, but why are they following blindly? All right. I don't, mm, you could go back in time and look at all the great leaders that have fallen. Great leaders, people who got people to do things for bad reasons. And they they ended up crashing and burning in the end, but they gain a lot of power along the way. So two things I'm telling you here in terms of faithfulness. One, you got to be faithful to something more than a group of people. 
being faithful to a moral structure is far superior than being faithful to a group of people. Because if that group of people change their mind and I'm just along being a minion doing what they're doing, then I am not a person who is thinking, feeling, behaving autonomously. That was the first principle, autonomy. The right and the ability to think and choose for ourselves. And we lose that if we are just minions, if we are just following and allying for some cause and we don't truly understand it. And I think that that happens a lot more than I wish it did. We follow naively. We don't think for ourselves. Our faithfulness to a moral structure really ought to be about a system of truths, which brings us to our final one, which is veracity. Veracity is all, it means truths. It's finding those streams of truth and reality and taking those truths and transferring them into other arenas, right? If I find a truth and a reality in the therapeutic realm, it's got to transfer into the home and into the sports team that I work with, into uh, my politics and into uh, my church. If it can't transfer in all of the arenas, it's not actually a truth. What it is, is it's, a, it's an idea. If you can transfer it from one category to another, it might be a truth. Um, there are certain truths that are really easy to see. And I say see literally. A smile and tears. They mean the same things to, to different cultures. It doesn't matter. A smile, it, it, it has a meaning. Obviously, you can say, well, there's sarcasm too. Well, that's true. But sarcasm is in every culture as well to a degree. And tears, when, you're, when our body doesn't know how to express the emotion that we, or we're experiencing, we often cry. That could be happy, sad. It could be so angry that we cry. The truths transfer. They transfer from one area to another, from one people to another. Truths are really important to find. And I'll give you another truth just so you have it. People who tell truths ultimately end up being more believable. I'll give you an example. If a politician lies, we begin to question everything that they say. Whereas even if a politician tells the truth and you don't like it, we walk away saying sometimes, well, I mean, at least they tell us their truth. I just don't like it. That's the way they see it, but I don't like it. We don't question their truth. We question their thinking process or we question like those things are totally different. If a politician or a public figure says I am a quality human being, and then it turns out that they are not that because they um, hurt people or uh, you guys know examples of this uh, people who in the past have made really big mistakes of trying to create this persona, but they, they couldn't hold it because it wasn't who they actually were. 
that is a truth. When we tell truths, we become more believable. But when people discover that we are not telling truths, they begin to question everything about us. Okay. Veracity is really important. Uh, we, I'm going to hit one more topic here on veracity and then I'm going to go ahead and recap. I've said it a couple of times, even in this podcast, but morality is really important. There are certain things in this world that cannot be explained by natural science. And so we have this whole realm of what we would potentially call supernatural, not explainable naturally. For all of you out there, I encourage you to explore your spirituality. And I do that not because I want you to choose my religion. I wouldn't mind that. But I want you to understand that natural reality has a limitation. There is a limitation. And there are things that happen in the natural reality that cannot be explained by natural science. Some of you might argue that it's because we don't have the tools to explain it yet. We haven't gotten that small or we haven't looked at it that big. That is an argument that I uh, I think could hold water in some cer- certain circumstances. And there are some things that are even beyond explanation of nature. They are when nature defies all principles in some form or another. It just doesn't make sense in any way. And I think primarily that happens with human beings. Human beings can defy nature. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, we've all heard the example of somebody got such an adrenaline rush that they picked up a car or something like that. Like, I mean, that may potentially be an exaggeration. I don't have evidence. I didn't go look that up, but let's say somebody were to do something like that. That defies reality. Their muscles should tear. Why don't their muscles tear? Because they had such adrenaline that doesn't explain why muscles don't tear. You could have a massive amount of adrenaline and still tear your muscle. So there are things that are unexplainable in natural science. So recap real quick, the guardrails. Uh, well, first of all, autonomy. The right to choose is a lot like liberty. The, the ability to pursue our own sense of, of happiness, uh, you know, whether that be religious or, or through behavior, uh, activities, stuff like that. Well, the guardrails for autonomy are non-maleficence and beneficence. If it's not doing no harm um, and, and it's not an attempt to do good, then it's not something that we should have the right to necessarily do. I know that gets sticky. I get it. But this is, I'm just framing the argument from a therapeutic lens. You've got to do your research and your thinking. The next one was justice. That's about fairness, not about equality. Please don't mistake the two. Fidelity is faithfulness. The idea of allying to people versus allying, as I was, versus uh, having a moral structure and foundation and a framework. And the final one was veracity. And that's all about truths. And we know social science, at least, explains how simple this is. Truths have to be transferable. And truths, they don't change 
from one environment to the next. They stay consistent no matter where we go. And there are some truths that are universal. Our job is to find them and hold them and then use those as our moral structures and foundations and be faithful to those as opposed to being faithful to a people. Don't get me wrong. I understand that one of the truths is that we are relational, that we are tribal by nature. That doesn't mean that we go along with everything the tribe is doing. Uh, there's a there's a book that uh, one of my favorite books, uh, The Power of Four, and it describes uh, I believe it's the Lakota tribe uh, of Native Americans and how how they uh, encounter leadership that's not good, and they say it like this: If you find somebody who's not leading well, the simple solution is to stop following them. That's a truth. That's one of those universal truths. Because if we stop following somebody who's not leading well, they're not a leader. They lose their power and their influence. And somebody else can pick that up and use it to do something good. And if we find that they're not doing something good, we stop following them. All right. Excellent. I hope this was helpful to you. I appreciate you guys giving me your time as always. Thanks for joining me and we'll see you next time.